0: We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave It's A pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some JMU football. We talked to Shane Metlin. We talked some JMU basketball with him. Didn't get into football because let's do that with Noah Fleischman, the JMU football beat writer for the DNR. How are you, Noah? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a, it's a big week this week. Not not for Christmas. It's Christmas for, for other people in the college football world because it's early signing day on Wednesday. And we'll find out uh, everybody who signs their name on the dotted line for their national letters of intent. But it is a big week. But it's been a busy last week for JMU with getting some commitments.
1: Yes, I think Christmas came early for the JMU coaching staff. You know, three commitments yesterday and, you know, maybe more coming. I don't know. But, you know, it's sunny day coming up and it's been definitely
0: a busy time let's go back to last week i think i think this happened this happened after we talked earlier in the week where they got a couple receivers maxwell moss the receiver from archbishop spaulding in maryland um some big numbers as a high school senior i think 21 touchdowns like 72 catches he had a huge year for archbishop spaulding and then they get the south florida transfer and omarion dollison who has some connections with Jordan McLeod, who could be the starting quarterback for the Dukes coming up next year, as he was at USF for three seasons. But um, what do you make of those guys? Let's start with uh, let's start with Dallas and the transfer from USF. And again, not not eye popping numbers, but he had some good years, some solid numbers, and, and has some continuity with Jordan McLeod already. But uh, what'd you make of that signing or commitment? Yeah, you I know, guess. I
1: think, yeah, the commitment. They haven't signed him yet, technically. But yeah, you know, he he's not anything that jumps off the page, right? He's five foot nine. You know, they've had. That's with shorter receivers and a guy like Chris Thornton. But his best year was really his true freshman year, which was the year that McLeod was his quarterback. So that says something he scored his lone touchdown that year and, you know, had two hundred yards or two hundred seventy two yards receiving, but so nothing crazy jumps off the page, but I think, you know, with the chemistry he already has or had at one point with George McLeod and like, you know, make this move for him a little bit easier to make. And I think, you know, he's got two years of eligibility left, one plus the COVID year. So, you know, he's a guy that can keep around for a couple of years probably. And
0: Maxwell Moss, I know you did an article last week that was outstanding about him and Ibrahim Barry, the other receiver from Maryland that uh, that they were able to get a commitment from, and will sign on Wednesday. But Moss had some monster numbers. Um, I think he's got a chance to be a pretty talented young man.
1: Yeah, I mean, he you know, faced adversity. He didn't get to play much until this season and then decided to you know, go off and didn't do what he did, he scored 21 touchdowns, I think, over 700 yards receiving. And so, I mean, he played really well um, at Archbishop Spalding in Maryland. Yeah, he grew up with with Ibrahim Berry and another guy that is signed to JMU or will be signing to JMU, I should say, on on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, I mean, two childhood friends reuniting at JMU, both receivers, both tall receivers. Berry six five. Moss is six one, you know, Jamie bringing in the height, and well, I guess we'll get to the other height in a little bit, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that that helps out a lot, you know, considering this year, they didn't really have that many tall receivers. It worked, mm-hmm. but I think when you have the tall receivers against these FPS DBs, it kind of helped out a little more.
0: You know, for folks that didn't see your article about Moss and, and Barry, kind of talk about what, what you found out about those two young men.
1: Yeah, I mean, they grew up playing, you know, tackle football together at a young age. I think they said they were like 9 or 10 when they first met, and, you know, they, they played together, and they had fun, and and as Ibrahim told me, nobody could really guard either one of them. I and, mean, you know, Moss and Max kind of, you know, he joked that Ibrahim was already six foot three in, in eighth grade. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's hard for anyone to catch, to really guard him. All they do is throw fade routes to him in the end zone. He could kick pretty much just catch it over everybody. Um, but they're both really excited to be playing together and, and really excited to, to, you know, come to j and have the opportunity. And, And I think one thing that neither of them lack is confidence. They both told me, you know, they want to compete to play next year, and and they think they're confident in that. And and with this receiver room getting, you know, a whole lot of new phases, I think it might be an open competition. There's a shot Mm for them to definitely break into it.
0: No question about that. Again, Moss had a huge year this past year, so uh, they've got some. I want to talk overall about the wide receiver room here in a second. I guess let's talk about the, the latest one. That's Elijah Surratt. Again, Cheese's brother. Um, we'll find out if he's got a, a nickname of any type of food or whatever, but uh, Elijah Surratt had a great year at St. Francis. Um, he has three years left, 42 catches, 700 yards, 13 touchdowns. And I was looking over his last, I think it was six games, he had 27 catches and 10 TDs and, and had a really big last half of last year. 6'3", 205, much different than than, than Cheese. Um, I, I love this addition. I think the this kid can be really good.
1: Yeah, I think you know he's proven at the college level. Mm-hmm. It's the FCS, but it's still a college level. Jamie, it wasn't at the FCS too long ago, and he's proven he can play. I mean, yeah, as you said, you know, you look at his numbers; they jump off the page pretty quickly. I mean, 121 yards against Sacred Heart, who was a pretty good team this year in the FCS. So overall, you know, 700 yards, 13 touchdowns. He had a three-touchdown game in that day, and I think that you know he bolsters this 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 room a lot. Um, you know, he's six three, taller guy. Um, you know, he, he's proven, and he's also got, you know, the connection with the Jamie coaching staff, which I don't think hurts, and I think it may have helped a little bit having his brother on the team. And mm-hmm. one plays on offense, one plays on defense, so you may be saying <laughs> that, that must name a whole bunch next season.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so too. That's gonna to be fun in practice when they get maybe uh go against each other a little bit. So it might be a little a little bit of smack talk during practice. We're talking with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU recruiting, national signing day. The early one is coming up on Wednesday when all these guys can sign their national letters of intent, but. Now let's talk about that wide receiver room. Again, last year, it just it, it wasn't a deep room. We, we knew what it was. It was Chris Thornton. It was Reggie Brown. It was Terrence Green. It was Devin Ravenel. And then and then you had some guys after that that would get some snaps here and there. And that's it. Three of those four are gone. Reggie Brown is back. So they've got a veteran there. But now they've added three transfers. Phoenix Sproles. Omarion Dollison. Elijah Surratt. They've got tr- they've got some true freshmen coming in. Ymir Knight. Some people forget that, that he committed a long time ago. But but he was the Delaware Player of the Year. Just won a state championship. Then you add Maxwell Moss, Ibrahim Barry, even a guy like Chris Lofton. He's an athlete, but but he did play receiver. Maybe he ends up being a receiver. May may not need him there. But they've got this room is completely changed and transformed, hasn't it?
1: It has. I mean, they have six receivers between the portal and high school, and that's not including Lofton because we mm-hmm. don't know where he ends up. He could play defense. He could play the offense. You know, we'll see where they put him. But of those six, four of them are six feet taller. Or 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 taller, mm-hmm. and you have a five nine Omari Dollison, and a five nine Uri Night. Two speedy guys. I mean, Night. You know, I don't think anyone really remembers him. He he committed on the Fourth of July. You know, a long time ago at this point, <laughs> but he had a great senior season. And I mean, that was the day that Jamie picked up three recruits too. So mm-hmm. you know, I think you know this receiver room got overhauled. I mean, not really overhauled. They just had to re- replenish it because mm-hmm. they lost so many guys. And even if you look at the tight end, I mean, Drew Painter was gone, so he was the fifth leading receiver. So they lost four of their five leading receivers from a year ago, um, with Reggie Brown being the one returning and I think he'll be definitely, you know, wide receiver one, but I think after that, I think it's an open game between all these guys for coming in.
0: It's going to be very, very good competition to see who can get some reps and, and see who pans out. Again, some of these guys may not pan out. We've seen that happen numerous times. So um, it has become a much it's, been, it's become a pretty deep wide receiver room all of a sudden when we weren't sure what the depth was going to be at that position. But we saw them offer a lot of guys, and I think they've got some really quality guys coming in. So, again, there could be more. We'll, we'll see what happens as uh, as we continue. But, again, we're talking with Noah Fleischman from the DNR. Also, Gannon Weathersby – who is a linebacker slash safety. He's not a he's not a big kid. He's like 5'11", 170, something like that. They list him as safety linebacker, um, but an athletic kid was was a guy that was committed to tech, Tennessee State, um, but now going to come to JMU. I think this guy seems to be a, an athlete, too, that that is kind of freakish and can do some different things um, at some different positions on defense.
1: Yeah, it seems like they're going to use him more of a linebacker. I guess that's what his graphic that JMU mm-hmm. kind of sends the athletes. So, Games like that, but he had 138 tackles, 25 TFLs, four sacks, five pass breakups, and an interception during his senior year, where they won the national or not the national. They won the state title in Georgia. You know he's from the Atlanta area, so that definitely helps. And I think you know bolsters the linebacker room, which is already young. But I think he brings some good talent and could kind of try to break into that. And you know there's a lot of young guys there and an opportunity.
0: And the one thing too is you, with with the style of defense that they have, and just even actually in general nowadays in college football. You don't have to have these 240, 250-pound linebackers. If you have, I mean, Torres Jones isn't. Jalen Walker isn't. I mean, those guys aren't, aren't huge linebackers. They're just athletic, big, physical guys, and I think that's kind of what they see in Weathersby. So I think he hopefully fits right in to that, but um, he, I think he's going to be a good get too, kind of a, a late bloomer, so to speak, but uh, they've added him. And then late last night, Brett Griffiths, who is a transfer from Wake Forest, his brother is probably going to be the starting quarterback for Wake coming up next year. Brett decided to get in the portal. He has four years left, so this is a I think this is a great get for James Madison. It's depth in their quarterback room. They already got Jordan McLeod again, Billy Atkins, and Alonzo Barnett still there right now. Um, but Griffiths is a guy that was really really good at, at, in Ashburn. Uh, he's a Virginia guy. He had huge numbers his senior year of high school. Uh, this this could be kind of a a, a guy that they get that later on down the road could really pay dividends for this team.
1: Yeah, you know, he had a super big senior in high school. He was a three-star recruit, kind of went to Wake Forest, joined his brother in the quarterback room, and then, you know, didn't play and decided to hop in the portal and find somewhere he can play. And I think when you look at this quarterback room now, there's four scholarship guys there currently. It's going to be a competition, mm-hmm. I think, you know, between the four. I think, you know, McLeod obviously is probably the leader going in, but, Griffiths is a guy who threw for three thousand yards and thirty-two touchdowns his senior season. Ran for another eleven 1, hundred with another twenty <laughs> yeah. touchdowns. So he's a dual-threat guy. He fits the system, and you know, fifty-two combined touchdowns in one season, even at the high school level, that is, you know, eye-popping numbers. And I think he has. I I, I don't want to say it's too. It might be too early to say, but I think there's a possibility he could try to push for the starting job, um, just based on those high school numbers, the way that he can play. And, and he's been in the Lake Forest system. He kind of, you know, has a year of college football practice, knows the, knows the deal. Mm-hmm. So the college game isn't anything new. He hasn't played in a college game yet, but the actual, you know, routine day-to-day stuff he, he already has down, which I think helps, especially as a quarterback, trying to learn so much. So I'd assume he'd show up on campus in January. I'm talking to him later today, so I'll kind of figure more of that out. But, you know, I think, you know, it might be early to tell, but he's got a shot at least to push her to that second spot. Maybe, you know, can try to push her on McLeod and, and camp.
0: Yeah, I think he might. I mean, his numbers were, were eye popping as you talked about. And again, he went to wake for a reason, three star kid. And we'll find out, but um, they've got good competition there now to, to push to see who's going to be the best. And as you talked about, and you've got an article coming out and, and, I guess preview a little bit. I don't want you to give anything away, but you, uh, you had a chance last week to to sit down with Coach Signetti and kind of talk about quarterbacks because obviously it's been a great run of quarterbacks um, under his tutelage here here at JMU, but also where he's been before at Elon um, a, up in Pennsylvania. I mean he's had he's had a long list of really good quarterbacks, and hopefully it continues with one of these guys that we're talking about. But uh, how was that conversation with Coach Signetti?
1: It was great, you know, we talked for thirty or forty minutes in his office last week and you know, it was something that was really, you know, good to see kind of inside the mind of him and you know, how quarterbacks work and how he's kind of grown as a coach, because he's a guy who at one point was an under center offense and just, you know, run a traditional pro style offense. I mean, you ran that at NC State as a quarterback's coach with Phillip Rivers and you, know, you saw that at Alabama. But then he talked about, you know, going to IUP and and that's kind of where this switch happens and going more to the you know, RPO stuff and yeah. So that'll be out tomorrow. It's going to be definitely a long story. Talk to him, talk to Cole Johnson, you know, talk to Lenny Williams, who was the quarterback at IUP that he made the switch in systems under and, you know, kind of talked how that happened. So it's definitely been a cool story. Definitely a really long one. So hopefully people like to read a lot about, you know, offenses and, and how really Chris McNenny went from a, an under center guy and to, to what he's done now. And it really, Made a lot of strides with athletic quarterbacks and unathletic quarterbacks at times. You know, guys like, you know, Eddie Elon. he dealt with a guy who's not really a runner, but it worked. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, it'll it'll probably be one of the longer stories, but I think it'll be worth reading. And you kind of get to see you know, the how Kurt Cignetti got on the quarterbacks first and then, you know, where it went from there. And obviously he's, he's had a lot of success. And part of that is, you know, bringing in a guy like Tino Sinceri.
0: Here we're talking with with uh, Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record as he is the Jamie Football beat writer. And, and the one thing that uh, is fascinating too is, I mean, look at the last two years. Cole Johnson, not a runner, but look what they did offensively with 41 touchdowns for Cole, four interceptions, and then transform with Todd Santeo in his one year and, and have the dual threat. And, and it, again, it seems like Coach Signetti even has mentioned that he likes a dual threat quarterback. And you can see what they have on the roster right now, what they've got. Again, Brett Griffiths is um jordan mccloud is alonzo barnett is billy can do it a little bit but um he was able to adjust with cole johnson too and and that's that's a sign of a good football coach to adjust to what you have too he had cole johnson and, and they just played a little different way and, and and found a way to get it done
1: yeah he, he even started with a guy like ben DiNucci who could yeah. do it and then did it and then did it with cole johnson cole could run a little bit i mean he's not you know a who's not gonna you know, run for 50 yards down the field but he could do it and and they made it work, and they had a lot of other things going on where they had to basically change the offense completely with the injuries and other things. And You know, I think that's the most interesting part about this guy is he. Kirsten, he's a very offensive-minded guy, and I kind of, you know, talk about it, and you'll see tomorrow how reading a book, let's just say that. He talked about he read a book, <laughs> and that's what got him interested in, in quarterbacks. And after that, it was, you know, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, you know, that was in 1969. He told me when he read this book in 2022, and he, he's making things happen.
0: And the rest is history, they they say. So there, there you go. The national signing day, the early one, is on Wednesday. So we'll find out uh, if hopefully all these guys that that we've been talking about do sign their their national letters of intent. But um, do you have any insight on anybody else that, that might be committing here over the next couple of days before uh, they actually sign on Wednesday?
1: Well, it seems like they're going to get one because you know I this morning put out a graphic of the updated class with the high school kids in the in the transfer portal, and you know Marcus L. Oliver, the the recruiting coordinator. Corey tweeted just now and said, "Not even close. Jobs not finished. Who's next?" So <laughs> I think there's more to come, and I mean, there's another signing period in um, you know the new year, so there's obviously time to, to get more guys. But seems like they're not done.
0: Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so either. So it's a uh, it's a fascinating time. It's a fascinating follow. Again, follow Noah um, on Twitter. He's got the graphic out already. he Put it out this morning. So great stuff from him and. Uh, I look forward to Wednesday. We'll see who officially uh, does sign. It looks like all these guys likely will. But nonetheless, um, great stuff from you as always, man. I appreciate you, and we will catch up again soon.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you.